I'm not used to doing this, and it's a little nerve-wracking, but at the same time, I couldn't say no, and I just really appreciate Matthew trusting me and asking me and giving me the opportunity to talk to you guys this morning. So what's really cool is that I didn't tell John what I was talking about this morning, but fear is literally the first word on my notes right here. It's kind of crazy, right? So that's cool. <laughs> I know, right? Um, so... So I'm Andrew, by the way, if you don't know me. My name's Andrew, and Alexi's my wife, and we've been here at Origins for about three years now, so we love this church family, and we're really glad to be part of this family. So have you ever known anyone who had a fear of God, but not like a healthy fear of God, but kind of like a weird, supernatural fear of God? Um, I grew up in Pickens, towards the mountains, now I'm a hillbilly, and uh I remember growing up hearing things like, you better not do that. You'll get struck down by lightning uh, and stuff like that. Have you ever heard anything like that before? (laughs) Uh, I mean, obviously we should not sin and we should do what we're supposed to do, but I've never actually seen anyone struck down by lightning by God. Not saying it can't happen, but it's kind of weird. But there are people out there who really believe like God's vengeance and wrath. I mean, God does have vengeance and wrath, but there are people who walk around like afraid of God and scared that any wrong turn that, you know, that happens, they're going to get like struck down. But we have grace, right? And we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to mess up. Uh, we should try to live holy, a holy life as believers, but we're going we're gonna to mess up every now and then. Um, and we have a community, right? We're not alone. We're not, we don't have to do this alone. We're doing this together. Um, Today, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. If you want to start turning there, we'll read it in a second. But the reason I chose this passage is because Hebrews was written to Jewish Christians. And so we've been studying the Old Testament for the past however many months. And this this passage right here does a really good job of drawing and connecting the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so I think it has something to say to us today, uh, you know, considering what we've been talking about. Jews feared God tremendously. Um, If you think back to the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant, where the Ten Commandments was kept, uh, an Israelite touched it, and he was struck down. Like, he died instantly. Jews feared the presence of God. I think even Matthew talked about the word Yahweh and how, like, for Jews, they wouldn't even utter the name of God because they were just so afraid of God. Um, And so this message is relevant to us today. So the, the author of this passage is, is telling the Jewish Christians, hey, I know you've been scared of God your whole life. This is the way you've been raised. But Jesus changed everything, and you can draw near to God. God wants to be near to you. And so this, was, this message was for the Jewish Christians, but it's also relevant to us today. And that's what's the really cool thing about the Bible, is that even though this book was written thousands of years ago, Every word in here can be applied to our lives in 2019, which is awesome. Um, and so this, this passage has something to say both to those of us who are believers and to those in this room that might not be believers yet. Um, and so we are going to read Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. It says this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, 
for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the opportunity just to worship you, Lord. Um, We pray for our church family who's in Guatemala, God. We're so excited for the opportunity that they have to uh, be on mission for you. Um, And Lord, we are so supportive of that, and we are just praying that you would change lives, both of our team members and the people they come in contact with this week. Lord, we thank you for your word. I pray that you would speak to us um, today through this passage. Lord, I pray that your spirit would be in this room. You would change hearts, Lord. I pray that you'd speak through me. And uh, we're just excited to see what you're going to teach us today. In Christ's name I pray. All right, so one thing I really like about this passage is that the author of Hebrews tells us to do something, but he gives us a reason why first. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of stubborn. Like if someone tells me to do something and they don't tell me the reason why, I'm probably going to question them or just not do what they said because I'm a, I'm a rebel like that. Um, so, and there's a, lot, there's a lot of that in the Bible. And, you know, I submit, I submit to God's word, so I, I do it. But I really like it when the Bible says, this is why you should do this and then tells you to do it. So that's, what, that's one thing I like about this passage. Um, so the first word in here in, in this passage is therefore. And anytime you see that in the Bible... The word therefore is referencing something that came before it, right? So we want to know what came before therefore in verse 19. So we're not going through the whole book of Hebrews right now in church, so I just want to kind of give you just a very quick overview of what's been happening in the book of Hebrews. Like I said, um, we don't know who the author of Hebrews was, by the way. A lot of people say that um, Paul wrote Hebrews, but we really actually don't know. There's not like a consensus. But we do know that the audience was Jewish Christians, like people who now follow Jesus, but they are Jewish. They grew up in that, in that environment. Um, so what the book of Hebrews is saying is that Jesus is greater than anything that came before him. He's greater than any of the prophets, um, Elijah, Elisha, any of the priests. It even says in Hebrews that Jesus is greater than Moses, which for Jews, that would have been pretty radical to say that Jesus is greater than Moses, because to Jews, like God, Moses, right there. I mean, um, so if saying that these things, prophets, priests, and Moses are all less than Jesus would have been pretty appalling to Jewish people who heard this. Um, early, earlier in chapter 10, which is the chapter we're in, right before this, uh, in verse 12, I think we have that. It'll be up on the screen. Um, it says, when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. So for Jewish people they had to make sacrifices for their sins, right? So they're making sacrifices to the priests, they're killing animals, uh, bringing in grain offerings, and they're continually having to do this. But what verse 12 says is that Jesus made the one-time sacrifice for all of sins, and then he sat down at the right hand of God. The importance of that is that when he made that sacrifice, he was finished, it was over, the work was done, right, on the cross. Um, So in our passage in verse 19 says, therefore, Uh, since we have confidence to enter the holy place, it's saying because Jesus made this sacrifice, we now have confidence to enter the holy places. Um, So verses 19 and 20, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, the new and living way, Jesus is the new way, the old way to approach God for Jews was to make these daily sacrifices, to go through the priest. The new way is through the blood of Jesus. 
Um, and he opened, he opened this up for us through the curtain, and that is through his flesh. So what this is saying is, uh, for the Jews, they would make these sacrifices to the priest, and once a year, the priest would go into the inner room of the temple and make sacrifice to God for the sins of all the people. And there was this thick curtain or veil that separated that inner room from the rest of the temple uh, because that's where the presence of God resided. And if anyone other than the priest went into that room, they'd be struck down in the presence of God. This is one of the reasons why the Jews were so afraid of God and his presence. Um, So when this passage right here says that when Jesus opened up the curtain through his flesh, on the cross we see in the Gospels when Jesus died, the veil in the temple was ripped in half. And that's a really, really beautiful symbol of the fact that we now have access to God. Like that, that veil does not separate us from God anymore. Jesus is the way. So this, this passage is saying we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. It's the new way. It's the living way, not the dead way of animals dying and sacrifices and all that. It's a new and living way that we have access to God. Um, and it says in verse 21, it says we have a great high priest over the house of God. So Jesus is the new high priest, not, not a priest who's going into the inner room making sacrifices to God once a year. Jesus is our priest. He is our way to God. So what I want to say to you first is this is the explanation of what's about to come and what we're going to talk about. And, and obviously what comes next is for believers. But if you don't know Jesus, this is the gospel right here. This is the gospel. We have access to God through Jesus Christ. We have access to God because of Jesus. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be scared of God. God wants a relationship with us. God wants to know you. God loves you. You have access to him through Jesus Christ. So no more animals, no more priests for Jewish people, for us. It's no more fear. No more trying to do more good than bad. No more weighing the scales. Um, No more guilt. No more fear. Like God wants to have a relationship with you. You don't have to do anything to earn it. You just have to trust him and put your faith in him and let him carry you to, 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 to God. Let Christ be the way to God for you. He is the only way. Um, in John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus, and I think we have that up on the screen as well. A lot of you probably have heard this before, but this is the gospel. Um, Jesus, this, these are the words of Jesus. He said, I am the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's the gospel, right? We have access to God through Jesus. The only way to God is through the cross, through Jesus Christ. And so that's what, that's what this is saying. Um, so if, this, if you've never heard this before or if you have questions about this part, I would love to talk to you. Any Christian you know that's following Jesus would love to talk to you about this. This is the gospel. This is what we believe. This is the very core of who we are and what we believe as, as Christians. So we'd love to talk to you about that. So if you're not a believer in the room, this, this is what I have to say to you today. Come talk to us about it. Um, we'd love to talk to you. So for those of us who are believers, this is the preface, this is the explanation I was talking about that I really like in this passage. Um, the author says, because this, because you have access to Christ, to God through Jesus Christ, these are the things you need to do. And that's what we're going to talk about. Um, next. So uh, if you turn over, if you look over at verse 22, the first thing that we're told to do in response to the gospel is to draw near, right? To draw near. Uh, verse, that verse says, verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. 
That's the first response to the gospel, draw near. So the author is saying, look, you have access to God through Jesus. You have access to him. He's, he's available. He wants to have a relationship with you. Draw near, draw near. The access is there. This is exactly opposite of what God told the Israelites. God told the Israelites, don't draw near. Don't touch Mount Sinai. Don't touch the Ark of the Covenant. Don't come into the inner room of the temple. This is completely opposite, just like Jesus does in everything he did in his life on earth. He flipped it upside down. He says, you've always been told not to approach God, but now draw near. Draw near. Because of my sacrifice, draw near. Um, have any of you ever seen the TV show Gold Rush before? It's like, you know, people out in Alaska, they're trying to get gold um, out of the crazy environment up there. And so these people are doing all this crazy stuff. They're like, you know, out there in negative 100 degrees, whatever it is. Uh, I don't know if that's possible, but the coldest possible temperature you can think of. They're out there. They're, they got all, these heavy, all this heavy equipment. They're trying to get this gold out of the ground. So for Jews, think about it like this. For Jews, they've not been able to have access to God because of their sin. And it's, it, there's, there have been all these barriers to access. But now the, the, the access is available because of Jesus. So think about, like, the gold rush. You know, everyone's out there working all this time to get the gold to the surface. When the gold's to the surface, what are they going to do? They're going to get the gold, right? Are they going to stand back and be afraid of it? And, you know, because after all this, no, they're going to draw near. Christ is our treasure. We should draw near because of that. Um, so we're to draw near, but we are to draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our heart sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Um, so true heart, another way that the word true can be translated from the Greek is sincere. So when we draw near to God as believers, we should do so with a sincere heart, not, not just drawing near because we want something from God or because something bad is going on in our lives. I know that I have the tendency to do that, like, you know, I come to God or I try to draw near whenever something really bad is going on and I just want to, I need God for something in that moment. But we should always draw near with it with, without ulterior motives, but just with a true heart. Um, in our small groups, if any of you are in our small groups, we're going through the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11, which is the, just the next chapter in this book, which is cool because, like I told you, this book is written to Jewish Christians. So, when the author's mentioning all these Old Testament characters and their faith, they know exactly what the author's talking about because they've heard about that their whole lives. But one of the first things we talked about was the story of Cain and Abel. And the, the passage says that Abel, Abel's sacrifice was more acceptable than Cain's. But if we look at the Jewish law, we see that both of their sacrifices were technically acceptable, like the, the things they brought. I mean... There was nothing wrong with them, with the substance of the sacrifice. What we see is the reason that Abel's sacrifice is more acceptable than Cain's was because his heart. And, you know, he, he was making his sacrifice with a sincere heart. And so when we come to God, we don't have to make those sacrifices anymore, but we should still approach God with sincere hearts. Um, and the next thing it says, with, with, with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. I want you guys to hear this. Um, as believers and followers of Jesus, our sins are washed away. When we approach God, we don't have to approach God with shame or guilt about our past. Because when we come to, when we come to Jesus and we turn away from our sins, Jesus forgets all that. He wipes all that away. I know when I became a believer, um, 
there were moments in my life where like I realized that something I did in the past was a sin. When I did that thing in the past, I didn't know it was a sin, but because I turned to Jesus and my life was changed, I would realize those things and I would kind of feel some guilt and shame about them. But this says right here, we should approach God with a, without an evil conscience. Like, we don't have to worry about that stuff. We are forgiven. Um, we don't have to feel guilt or shame anymore when we, approach, when we approach God. And that's awesome. That's amazing. So first thing God tells us, or this, this passage tells us, is to draw near. Um, we have access to God through Jesus. Draw near. The second thing um, that we're told is to stay near. So let's look at verse 23. Verse 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So now that we've drawn near, we're to hold fast. Um, some translations say that we should hold unswervingly. I kind of like that imagery. Like, we are to hold unswervingly to the confession of our hope. We are to hold on to it without swerving, without going either way, staying straight on track with our, with our minds focused. Um, I really like that. And why are we to hold fast? Because of God's faithfulness, right? Think back on your life if you're a believer. I bet you can't think of a time that God's not been faithful in your life. I mean, we're all, we all go through struggles and things happen, and you might be going through something like that right now, but I promise you that in the end, God's going to be faithful to you. The outcome might not be what you want it to be, um, but God's going to be faithful. And we, we see that all through the Bible, Again, we've been talking about the heroes of faith in our community groups. Um, one story that sticks out to me when it comes to God's faithfulness is the story of Abraham and Sarah. So God promised Abraham a great nation. He promised him, obviously, you can't have a great nation if you can't have kids, right? So God promised him a great nation, and Abraham and Sarah were getting older, and they couldn't, they couldn't conceive. Um, Abraham tried to take things into his own hands. He found him another another woman, and uh, had a child, but God promised Abraham and Sarah that they would be a great nation. So ultimately, God provided, and he provided Isaac. And then uh, Matthew preached about this a few Sundays ago, about uh, Abraham sacrificing Isaac. And God says to Abraham, go sacrifice your son. And like, this is the son that you promised me, God. Uh, How am I going to have a great nation if I'm sacrificing my son and I'm really old? Um, but ultimately, Abraham was obedient, and God continued to be faithful in that. And God created a great nation, the nation of Israel, through Abraham. Um, Sarah even laughed when God made the promise, if you remember that in the Bible. She laughed because she thought it was so absurd. I think even now, some of the promises of God to us can seem really absurd and crazy. But we're to hold fast because he's faithful, and he is going to keep his promises. He has throughout history. Um, We trust him. We know that he will. And so, as believers, because of the gospel, first, we're supposed to draw near. Second, stay near. Hold fast. The third thing um, that we're to do is to be in community. So let's look at verses 24 and 25. 24, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So because of the gospel, we're supposed to encourage each other, stir up one another to love and good works. It's pretty hard to do that, that kind of thing by yourself. Um, again, this was written to Jewish Christians, right? So 
Think about if you grow up in a culture where you have to do all these sacrifices and there's all these rules, and then you're told you don't have to do that anymore because Jesus. There's a lot of people that still thought they had to do all that stuff, and they didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. So it was really important for these Jewish Christians to stay in community because it's impossible to go against, it's pretty much impossible to go against the grain by yourself. I mean, there are examples of people doing this, but we are so much better together, and we're so much better when we do things in community. And so, just as it was important for Jewish Christians to be in community, it's important for us to be in community as well. Uh, we live in a culture that, you know, it can, it can be hard to be a Christian. Maybe, maybe it's a little different in the South, but I know that there are a lot of things, you know, that we do that are against, opposite of, of what culture says, right? Um, and so if, you, if you're trying to do that alone, if you're trying to fight that fight alone, good chance you're not going to be successful. We need to be in community. Um, and when we're in community, we stir each other up to, to love and to good works. I can think about our community groups here at Origins, um, some of the good works that have been done and have, have come from that. Uh, I know that a few community groups in recent weeks have taken meals to a nonprofit ministry here in Greenville that helps uh, and mentors underprivileged teenagers. That's awesome. That's love and good works. Um, I know that this may maybe not be community groups, but here at Origins, um, Several people have gotten together and provided meals to people who just recently had babies, so that's one less thing they have to worry about. Um, that's love and good works, right? Uh, our teams in Guatemala, they took, they took a week off to go and serve people in another country because they believe the gospel is true. That's love and good works. It's hard to do any of that kind of stuff alone. It's, it's nearly impossible. Um, I was talking to someone here at Origins a couple weeks ago, and they were telling me about how they ran a half marathon which uh, I couldn't do. I could do, but it'd be hard. But the person was telling me, I asked him, I was like, did you train for this half marathon? You know, did you get ready? And he said, he said, well, I trained for like five or six miles, but I didn't train for the full half marathon. And I was like, all right, well, how'd that go? Did you finish? And he said, well, he said, actually, it went really well. He said, because the first five or six miles I was ready for, but then the last half of the race, um, there were people all along the trail, you know, encouraging and cheering us on. And he said, that helped me get across the finish line. And I, I finished the race and I didn't, I didn't walk any. I ran the whole, the whole race. That's encouraging, right? He, could, he probably wouldn't have been able to finish the race if he was out there running by himself with nobody along the trail to support him. So when we're in community, when we're together, we can do so much more. And it's, it's a lot easier for us to get towards the goal line, to get across the finish line. Um, if you follow Jesus, community should be a priority. Um, let's look at verse 25. It says, and this is kind of like, this might step on some toes. I, I, hope, I hope I do step on toes, actually. I was going to say I hope I don't step on toes, but I think anytime when you read the Bible and we're like really trying to apply it to our lives, it steps on our toes. It's not comfortable. Like Matthew says all the time, there's coffee in the back. If this hurts your feelings, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> But when I was reading this, I was thinking about this, and like I, anytime I'm reading the Bible or if I'm going to talk to a group of people or no matter what, like I want to apply it to my own life as well. Because if we're just reading the Bible for head knowledge, like it doesn't change any of us, and we just become really arrogant, prideful people who think we know a lot about the Bible, but we don't really know anything if our, heart, if our lives and our hearts aren't changed. So my prayer is that as we talk about this, God changes my heart, God changes your heart. That's the goal. So, verse 25 says this, um, Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So, 
in these first three, like there's three commands here. The first two commands are positive. It says, draw near, draw near. Second command is stay near. But the third command is both positive and negative. It says, be in community, but don't neglect to meet like some other people do. So I think there's like a little added emphasis to this third one because, you know, the author doesn't say, draw near, make sure you don't stay far away like a lot of people are doing. Or he doesn't, he doesn't say, uh, you know, hold fast, but make sure you're not letting go like, a lot of, like you know, all these other people are doing. But with the community, he says, uh, he says, don't neglect to meet together. And I think like, that's really important that the author's emphasizing this. Um, I think back to when Lexi and I first started coming here to Origins. So graduated from college, we got married, we moved to Greenville, started coming to Origins, loved, loved Origins, loved like the whole atmosphere, and um, we're really excited about getting involved and being in community and all this kind of stuff. And probably like three months in, we got, started getting really frustrated. And we were like, really just angry and bitter and all this kind of stuff. And we were saying, no one loves us at Origins. We're not fitting into the community. No one's reaching out to us. No one's remembering who we are. No one's inviting us to their house for dinner. We're mad. We're angry. And we were talking about it. And a lot of you in the room, we were mad at you. And we thought you just didn't love us and all this kind of stuff. And so one morning I had text Matthew and I was like, hey, can I meet you for breakfast? He's like, sure, no problem met for breakfast, and I told Matthew all this stuff. I was like, we're just so frustrated. No one's reaching out to us. We don't feel part of the community, blah, blah, blah. And Matthew basically just turned it right back on me. He's like, started asking me these questions like, who have you invited to your house? Uh, You know, what have you done? Have you put in the work? You know, you've been coming to our community group with four people. Have you tried to go to another community group that has more people you can meet and be outside of your comfort zone? And I just kind of like sat there in silence and, all right. (laughs) Uh, I really have an answer to that. So all that to say, community takes work. And now, like, we change community groups. We were going to a community group with Matthew and Abby and Amanda, and I think a couple other people were there, and we knew everybody. But we had to go to a different community group where we didn't know anybody, and we felt uncomfortable. And people were talking about real stuff in their lives, and we were supposed to say stuff about our lives, and we didn't know these people and all that kind of stuff. It's uncomfortable, right? So we did that. Um, started trying to like actually be proactive and invite people to hang out with us instead of just waiting for someone to invite us to do something with them. And so now like this is our family and we love all of you and we're not mad at you anymore. And we realized that <laughs> we realized that it was probably our fault to begin with. So, uh, but community takes work. When I was in college at Clemson, you know, community was easy. Like everyone's in the same life stage. Everyone has the same schedule. You know, you go to class for like three hours a day and then tell everyone you're really busy and studying, but you're really not, uh, all that kind of stuff. So it's easy in college. It's easy in certain stages of life. But like whenever you get out of that environment and everyone's busy and has kids and is getting married and has real jobs and all that kind of stuff, like community's hard and it takes work and it takes effort. And it's not just going to happen like naturally. You got to put work into it. So I... All that to say, I know how hard community is. I know that it can be difficult. I know that it takes work. I know that it's uncomfortable, and it can be really socially awkward at times, like to go to someone's community group at their house that you don't really even know and all that kind of stuff. But I promise you it's worth it, and we're told to do it. Like, if, hey, because of the gospel, you should be in community. It can't be any more clear. Um, and also it comes down to what are the priorities in our lives. Um, yeah, I was thinking about this, and it kind of, like, hit me a little bit. Um, is community a priority? Like, if Jesus is a priority, 
that I should do what he says and like I should do what the Bible says. And the Bible says community is important and we should not neglect to meet. Um, I was thinking about, I have this friend who, uh, so have it, so if you're married, think back on the time when you like first met your spouse and how crazy you were about that person. Um, I was thinking about this friend Maybe not initially. Maybe, like, you weren't crazy about him to start with. But maybe down the road when you started falling in love and all this kind of stuff. Um, I was thinking about a friend of mine who he works in Alabama, um, like six, seven hours away from Greenville. And he's dating this girl that lives in Greenville. And he literally works. He's a forester. He's, he thinks he's all tough. But anyway, he, um, <laughs> he, he, get, he works till like 5 o'clock on Fridays, and then he drives from Alabama all the way to Clemson, or to Greenville, and he gets to Greenville at like midnight, and he hangs out with his girlfriend till like 3 in the morning, and then, you know, he goes and hangs out with her all day Saturday, and then he hangs out with her all day Sunday, and then at like 9 o'clock at night on Sunday night, he drives all the way back to Alabama. Obviously, that's pretty crazy, right? Like, that's, that's wild. But his girlfriend is a priority in his life, very clearly, and when we make something a priority, we figure out a way to make it happen. Like, we will go to all extremes to make it happen. And so I've heard a lot of excuses about community, but we have no excuse. Like, we, if we make it a priority in our lives, we can make it happen. Um, I can't really, honestly, I, I can't think of a whole lot that would be more important than, like, than community. I mean, obviously things happen. It's not like God's up in heaven and, oh, man, Rob wasn't at church last Sunday, uh, you know, he, he probably can't come into heaven when he dies. It's not like that. Like, things are going to happen. You're going to miss church every now and, then, now and again. It's not a legalistic, like, check the box. Got to be at church every time the doors open. Got to be at community group every single week. But ultimately, like, we should make it a priority to be in community, and we should put that above other things in our lives to make sure that we're committed to the family that we are a part of. So if you follow Jesus and you're, um, you're part of our family here, please make community a priority. It's really, really important. And we can do so much more together than we could ever do alone. Um, I just know that, like, God could change our city if we really made community a priority and we really took it serious and we met together and we encouraged each other for love and good works. Um, I think Matthew, or I've heard Matthew many times up here say that, like, uh, Sunday morning is the front door, but community group's the side door, you know? Like, when you go to... When you go to a stranger's house, you knock on the front door and, you know, because you, you don't know them. But if, like, for family, you come in the side door and, like, you know, you know those people. Community group is the side door. Community groups are the side door here. And, like, that's how you really get to, to know us. So I would encourage you, if you're not involved in a community group, take the risk. Go out on a limb. Show up at someone's house that you don't know who they are on a weeknight. I promise you they would love to have you in their community group. They want you to be there. They want to know about you and your life. They're not going to, like, ask you to do anything really crazy the first time. Can't say they won't the second time, but the first time they won't. Um, they want, we want you to be in community group. And so if you're a member here, or even if you're not, um, I'd love to talk to you about community groups. Um, anybody here that's a community group leader or is involved in a community group would love to invite you to their community group, um, tell you where their house is, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, so I would encourage you, search your heart. Um, it's not legalistic. It's not, you know, we're not up here taking attendance to make sure you're in community group every week. Even though we do take attendance, we want to know who's there, but it's, we're not like, oh, man, this person wasn't in a community group today. Uh, they're probably not really a Christian or anything. It's not like that. 
but we do want you to be in community groups, and we would love to help get you connected and, and involved and plugged in. And, and just honestly, it's not about promoting community groups. We just want you to be in community. That's all, because that's what the Bible says. And we think community groups are a great way to do that, but if that's not for you, we'd love to plug you into some other community or, or some other way to be involved in community as well. That's, that's what it's all about. Um, so, yeah, that's the third thing. Because of the gospel, be in community. Don't neglect to meet. Be in community. Um, so anytime we read the word of God we kind of have, or, or hear the word of God, we have a choice. We can either respond to it or we can choose to not respond to it, right? Pretty obvious. We have thousands, hundreds of thousands of choices a day. Every movement you make is a choice, just like this is a choice. We have a choice to respond. Um, if you're not a believer, if you uh, are not following Jesus, we talked about the gospel. Um, we have access to God through Jesus Christ. Like, we don't have to worry about anything else. We don't have to worry about good versus bad. We don't have to worry about rituals or sacrifices. We have access to God through Jesus, and God, and God wants that relationship with us. So I would love to talk to you about that. Anybody who follows Jesus would love to talk to you about that. Um, so if you don't know Jesus and you have questions, please talk to someone. If you do know Christ, if you do know Christ, there's three commands. We have access to God. We should draw near. Don't be, we shouldn't be afraid of God. No fear, no shame, no evil conscience, not coming to God scared or anything else. But we, we should approach him with confidence, and we should draw near to him, not just in our time of trouble or need, but always. Um, not only should we draw near, we should stay near, because God's faithful, and he's not going to let us down. We shouldn't let our doubts or struggles. Um, we all have doubts. So we all have struggles. We shouldn't let those get in the way of staying close to God. Um, you know, life is like a roller coaster. There's ups and downs, and there's struggles and trials and all this kind of stuff. But we should stay near to God in the highs and lows. Um, yeah, sorry, I just the song just popped in my head, and I about that. Sorry, a little distracted. Anyway, <laughs> I'm not gonna sing. I will. I will spare you all that. Um, yeah, and then we should do this. We should do all this in community. We should be in community. It's really important. I've emphasized it as much as I know how to emphasize it. That community is really, really important. So, and I promise you, this is the third thing. This is the third thing the author tells us to do. But I would say it's pretty hard to do the first two things if we don't do the third thing, right? Like when we are in community, it's so much easier to draw near to God. It's so much easier to stay close to God um, when we're in community. Like, I, there have been times where <laughs> I can think of a lot of times in community where, like, just crazy things happen. There was this one time I was in this little guy's, like, community group in college, and there was this guy in the group, um, and his name was Walt, and he was, like, a semester away from graduating with his engineering degree at Clemson. And we're in the community group, and we're all sitting down talking, and he's like, Walt's like, uh, so guys, I want, you know, I've been thinking about this, and I want to talk to you guys about this, but I think I'm going to drop out of school and go open, go open a climbing gym. And we're like, dude, you are a month, or one semester away from graduating. Like, don't do that. We all need to be in community. We all think of stupid things, and we all try to do stupid things, and we need people to help us stay on track. So Walt graduated from Clemson. I don't know if he would have graduated if he wasn't in community, okay? He would have opened a climbing gym that probably would not have worked out. So... Um, <laughs> I know that I've done a lot of, re- I've had a lot of really crazy ideas, and I've needed people in community to help me stay on the right track. So it's easier to draw near, it's easier to stay near uh, when we're in community. 
So let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you so much for today. Um, thank you for your word and for what you have communicated to us today. Um, I love whenever your word comes alive and whenever there are clear instructions, even when it steps on our toes. So Lord, I just pray that you would help us to, uh, to draw near to you, Lord, to, to find community, um, to take your word seriously, Lord, um, and to just really focus on uh, our access to you, God. It's just so amazing and so awesome that you have given us a way. I pray that we would never, ever, ever take that for granted. Christ in my prayer. Amen.